Okay. Um, welcome back and thanks for joining us. I'm Charlotte Gee, and this is Wallet Street, the podcast um, where we talk about money, what's going on in current events and how it affects you. Um, today, I'm really excited uh, on the show is Sarah Olson, who is managing partner of Europa Partners. And um, she started Europa Partners last year and it's a operates a crypto and DeFi fund. And we'll go more into that but very excited to have her on. Um, just a disclaimer as always, nothing in the podcast constitutes um, financial, legal, tax, or investment advice. Um, so before this show, I also kind of crowdsourced some questions and comments from listeners, and I'll bring those up a little bit later. But as always, you can share questions and comments um, at Wallet Street on TikTok, LinkedIn, or at WalletStreetPodcast at gmail.com. So with that out of the way, um, Sarah, I'm excited to have you on. We met in undergrad, but kind of reconnected really, I think, when both of us were working in crypto um, more recently, a few years back. So we'd love to you know, have you share a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to Europa um, most recently. Sure. So I think like most people in crypto, I started off in traditional finance um, out of school where we went together, uh, you know, at Georgetown. I um, uh, My first job out of college was as an allocator. So I allocated to hedge funds and private equity funds um, and then worked for um, several private equity funds after. Uh, I was introduced to Bitcoin in around 2012. Um, my childhood friend, Nick Carey from Colorado, he and I grew up together. He was a co-founder of blockchain.com. So he was the one to, you know, kind of introduce me to Bitcoin and, um, you know, this is sort of uh, just kind of where I first fell in love with it. And then when I was working um, at a private equity firm, I was contacted by a recruiter who put me in touch with the Winklevoss twins, so Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, um, and joined them to help them build out their platform, Gemini. So I joined as the head of business development. Um, uh, so Gemini was my introduction to crypto. I think when we reconnected, I was, was working at Gemini. Um, it was a really interesting time. I joined, I think, in early 2017. Um, so it was... Again, a lot of a lot of market dislocation, a lot of hair, sort of similar to what we're seeing today. Um, and then, you know, subsequent to Gemini, um, I worked at uh, Onyx, which is JP Morgan's blockchain group, and then most recently started Europa Partners with Pete Wisniewski, who was the former global head of trading for Galaxy and um, and and a, and a good friend. He and I started in the crypto sector around the same time. So we run uh, actively managed strategies in in crypto. Um, you know, predominantly market neutral and derivative strategies um, on behalf of ourselves and our investors. Got it. And can you talk a little bit more about like, what was the catalyst? Because um, I'm really interested as people, you know, branch out and start their own thing. Like, what was the catalyst for you to decide that this was the right next step um, was to start your own fund? So I don't know if it was necessarily like an entrepreneurial bug as much as it was, you know, at... Um, uh, as, as much as so I wanted to get back into really working in the weeds of crypto um, and and really get back to actually like holding and trading the asset class versus investing in the asset class or working on enterprise solutions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, Pete and I started speaking about, you know, launching something 
uh, I guess at the end of 2021, and we we knew that there was going to be a correction in the market. I don't think that we knew it was going to be this massive, um, or, or kind of how the fallout would happen. Um, but then we also saw that there was you know just a lot more dislocation happening in the market. So as as you were seeing the market mature. Um, you know, the, the, there were there were new markets, there were new products, but actually, but the market structure wasn't necessarily evolving in a way that was a lot more efficient. So, you know, we were seeing sort of this proliferation of, um, you know, what we believe to be trading opportunities and brought together a team of folks that, you know, really understood crypto trading, technology, cybersecurity and operations. And um, can you talk a little bit for those listeners that may be less familiar with the crypto world, just a high level between, you know, some of the different investments, um, investment types like crypto and DeFi that you make um, and, and give a brief overview? Sure. So I think terms in crypto get equivocated a lot. Yeah, um, and I so, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not sure kind of what's been like properly coined by the industry and, and what, you know, what hasn't been. Um, when I when I talk about crypto, you know, I'm typically speaking about any unit of value that, you know, runs on a blockchain. So that could be a native cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Ether. It could be an application asset like, um, you know, USDC that represents, you know, a, a dollar of value. Um, and uh, and then what we do is we trade spot crypto and then we also trade derivative derivative instruments as well. So we trade options and futures and swap uh, that are, um, uh, you know, that are priced to, to these crypto assets. Um, when I, you know, when we talk about DeFi, you know, the way that I think about DeFi is, um, you know, DeFi is crypto. Crypto isn't necessarily DeFi. So, you know, I, I consider DeFi to be any type of trading or settlement that executes according to a smart contract. So if you are what, what, like, what does that mean? Um, if you're trading on a exchange like Coinbase or Kraken, um, you are you're trading crypto, but it's not in a decentralized way. You know, you're using a centralized order book. Um, the, uh, the Coinbase or Kraken are matching and clearing those trades on your behalf. Um, it looks similar to what we see in the traditional markets. Uh, DeFi is different because you're talking about software that actually will do, you know, either match trades or clear or settle that trade, those trades or some combination thereof. Um, and that's, you know, what I think about sort of DeFi trading. Um, most of our activities are happening on centralized venues. So either what are considered lit markets in exchange like a Coinbase or a Kraken or OTC markets, um, you know, like a uh over the counter desk that galaxy runs for example mm -hmm. um we do do defi trading as well um although that's not i would say our primary area of focus awesome um thanks for that background i agree that a lot of terms get thrown around and kind of it's very nebulous um what one thing is versus the other because i think like you said the in industry is so still new and figuring itself out that some of these terms haven't been fully coined or, or defined or different people use them in different ways. Um, I'm curious, uh, just from an operational perspective, what goes into operating a fund that maybe people don't know about? Um, I myself in a future past role worked in the back office of um, for an asset manager. And there's a lot of, um, honestly, like a lot more manual and just like 
it's fascinating how those back offices get run. So I'm curious, like for a newer um, fund, maybe, maybe progress has been made in that respect, but I'm just curious, like, you know, what else goes into it? It's not just about, um, you know, the trades themselves. There's a lot of support that goes up into it, I imagine. Very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as you know, the, most of running an asset management platform is a lot of non-sexy activities. Um, and I, and in crypto, even more so. Um, you know, my partner says that, you know, in traditional finance, where you may have operations be, say, you know, 10 to 20% of your activities in crypto, it, it looks much closer to sort of 50-50. Um, and, you know, so it, it, in some ways, um, you know, we run an open ended structure, um, you know, like a, a typical uh, a typical hedge fund structure. So I would say from a, you know, a legal fund terms, fund service providers, you know, we're going to look a lot like other strategies in terms of what we need to do around um, custody, you know, cybersecurity and reporting, that looks very, very different than traditional asset classes. Um, I would say that, you know, probably the biggest lift is around cybersecurity, um, just in terms of, you know, what uh, we give sort of the, the biggest focus to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say too, because this is not a super evolved market, it's a 24-7 market, which is different than traditional finance, and it's it's a global market, um, r- reporting um and you know the, 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 the sort of trade settlement and reporting are definitely more complex than you know the traditional equities market for example got it um and what's it been like i know the last year has been um quite a a ride for all of us i mean even whether you're in the traditional markets or in crypto um so just kind of curious like how that's been um operating a fund i mean especially with the pressure of managing invest investments and and possibly other people's investments. Um, you're just kind of curious how that's been like for you. Why is something happened in crypto? <laughs> <for that one? laughs> yeah. I don't know if you heard, but <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. It's um, I've been asked a lot about, you know, FTX and three arrows and sort of the fallout in the market and, and, and all of the ripple effects and contagion that's happened, you know, and, and I think that it's sort of twofold, I think there's sort of the um, kind of the emotional answer in terms of how everyone in the industry is feeling about um, certain events that have taken place. And then there's the question as um, how does this affect sort of business, you know, in terms of day to day operations? Uh, for the former, you know, I think this has been heartbreaking for, um, for you know, p- professionals in the crypto industry. You know, I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of smart, high integrity people, you know, that didn't get into this industry to, you know, the, that really entered this industry to see if we could, you know, build better systems. You know, can we build better technology? Could we be- build better financial plumbing? And so when we've seen these um, issues of just outright fraud, as well as just you know poor mis- risk management, you know uh, lack of you know lack of regulation, uh, self dealing, um, j- j- just really really bad activities. I think it's been very heartbreaking, um, and to see that these were able to occur at scale, you know at this at the scale they have, and and I think that. Um, uh, as you know, more information comes out, you know, with with FTX and and certain other players, you know, people are going to see kind of how how bad it's been, um, you know, for certain platforms, um, you know, around how they've conducted business. Um, 
I would say in terms of how this has affected sort of, um, you know, legitimate businesses, you know, it's been, um, uh, you know, all, all businesses have to think about counterparty risk, you know, even mm-hmm. more so. Um, than they they did prior. So, you know, the the, the same way that the asset management um, uh, industry had to change after Madoff, you know, I, I think that you're going to see a, a big shift in the industry kind of after FTX and Three Arrows. Um, you know, I think that uh, there's going to be the emergence of a lot of um, what I would consider risk mitigating solutions. So, you know, versus uh, clients keeping, uh, you know, an enormous amount of assets on exchange at, at counterparties like FTX or Binance, I think that we're going to see better solutions around tri-party agreements or third-party custodians and in, in, in ways of, um, uh, of, of lowering risk. And, and I do hope that what we're going to see as well is a move towards more, you know, again, more liquidity around regulated, more reputable platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, although that'll have to, you know, that'll be dependent both on on the market and, you know, what I would say, global regulators. Um, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned about um, that crypto or like part of the genesis of this whole um, industry was really to um, build, like you said, better a better way to move money, to move assets. Um, having both worked in financial services, I think we've both seen how shocking it can be. Um, like what the traditional markets, like how things actually work is, is quite, I mean, again, it's been a few years since I've worked in it, but like, it was pretty shocking to me how archaic a lot of the technology is and a lot of the um, kind of systems are. I guess I think what some I've heard some people, you know, with with what's happened in the last year, or the last six months, um, you know, maybe some people are like, oh, well, this whole crypto thing like isn't going to work out. There might be some like disbelief about like, you know, you tried, but it's just like not not worth it. Or there's kind of a um, bursting of the bubble of like the optimism that was around um, what could be done. Do you still feel like optimistic about um I mean, I certainly still feel optimistic about what what it can do, but um, I wonder if there's some naysayers who are more like, well, this is what, you know, you know, we we should have expected this or I don't know if I'm articulating this. No, correctly, I, I, but... I, I think you're articulating this perfectly. I mean, I after, you know, after the fallout that we've seen, I, I've had a lot of people call me and be like, is this a real thing? And I'm like, like, what do you mean? Of course, this is a real thing. But it, but I, I but I definitely understand that. And it, and I kind of wonder, too, if you worked in technology, you know, or, you know, around the the turn of the millennium, if, uh, you know, and after pets.com and, you know, the, the, the tech bubble, uh, if people were saying things like, oh, is the internet a real thing? You know, it's yeah. very much a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's just been, you know, a, a, again, it, it, you're, you're talking about something that's been, you know, mismanaged, um, or at least, at least components of it. Um, yeah, no, I, I remain incredibly optimistic. Um, you know, when I when I first learned about Bitcoin, I didn't really understand anything about the technology. I didn't understand anything about replicated databases or di- digital signatures. Um, you know, kind of how what digital scarcity and digital identity meant. I mean, this has been these have been things that I've been you know fortunate enough to you know get very familiar with through working in this industry. 
But what really stood out to me at the time was that you can have global value that is that is recognized and that no one can take that away from you. So if you owned a Bitcoin and you were a hedge fund manager in Midtown Manhattan, or if you were a you know a housewife in Saudi Arabia, you know without a bank account, it didn't matter. And th- and that's really really powerful um, in and of itself. You know it doesn't like Bitcoin sort of doesn't need to do anything else other than that for that to be you know just incredible technology. And then what we've seen in terms of the evolution of smart contract platforms in terms of having, you know, um, uh, Web3 technology, you know, where, where you can have sort of an individual, you know, an individual wallet programmatically speak to applications and have, you know, this, this, this bilateral exchange of information and value. That's also something we've never seen before. And so th- this is really, um, this is really profound. Um, you know, I think that it is, you know, the, the applications are really endless. I, I think that we've seen a lot of abuse in the system, um, uh, you know, in, in the past few years. But that doesn't that doesn't take anything away from sort of the potential of this technology and where where this is going. Um, so so again, I think I'm I, I'm as optimistic as I've ever been. Um, it's uh, and, and and unfortunately, like these times are never fun for for folks in the industry, but they also. Um, uh, they also create a lot of opportunity. Like they they create a, just a lot of opportunity, and 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 certainly for trading opportunities, but also for you know being able to build better products and solutions. Well, I think yeah, like it's um like any you know it's like growing pains for anything. There's always going to be like you know some cycles and and growing pains as as you develop. It's funny. Um, this is kind of a random tangent, but I was reading like the book Titan on, um. Rockefeller and the genesis of the uh, oil industry and how he invested. And honestly, it was like, there's like a few passages where they're talking about the oil booms and busts and how there's all kinds of like stuff happening, you know, and it really parallel. I was like, you could just replace the word oil with, with crypto or with what's happening Mm -hmm. and it would be the same. And I think a lot of industries have gone through it. We just maybe don't remember, you know, obviously if, you know, a lot of this has already been formed for, for existing industries. Absolutely. And you're also talking about, you know, when you you talk about um, the the, uh, robber barons of of that time as well, you're also talking about a lack of sophisticated regulation. You know, I remember um, I was watching The Gilded Age, I guess, last year, and I'm really excited for the new season. And, um, you know, and and, like, have you seen the show? It's I haven't, but it's right up my alley because I love a good like period piece. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's it, it's it's really excellent. But there's, um, you know, there the, there uh, there is like a plot in the show where there's just like absolutely like you know kind of insider trading and mar- market manipulation. And I'm like I was like googling like at the time, you know, like basically like you know what were the securities laws around these types of activities, and they didn't exist yet. So it's um you know like in the same way that you saw you know these these big booms and busts in you know in the oil market around. Around that time, like you also had a lack of, you know, regulation that was appropriate for those types of activities, um, which is, you know, what I think we suffer from right now as well. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, uh, this was a, a listener question, and um, but I'm curious what your take is on if Bitcoin tracks as, you know, people have talked about it as digital gold. Um, 
you know, in my understanding of gold is that generally it will invert, it kind of tracks inversely to how the markets are doing, especially if there's a downtime, people will tend to invest in gold, but we've kind of seen it more track in parallel with the the SP 500, at least the last 12 months. Um, so I'm kind of curious what your take is on that. Um, uh, and I thought it was a, a good question. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't been looking at Bitcoin's correlation to um, sort of equity indices or, or other asset classes. But like, I, I think when, I, you know, sort of anecdotally, when I think about it, it's it really trades more similar to, to equities or tech stocks. Mm-hmm. And frankly, like, you know, if people... F- feel rich, they tend to buy Bitcoin. And if they don't, they tend to sell Bitcoin. You know, it's been almost like this sort of discretionary asset class, um, you know, and and, and, uh, and hyper speculative. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we're, I think that we're beginning to enter an era where you're seeing Bitcoin trading in, in from a macro standpoint in, in ways that, that actually like show that it has value within the macroeconomic landscape. And so, you know, what, what you'd like to see is Bitcoin, you know, if, um, uh, you know, in times of inflation, hyperinflation, you know, that the, the Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin is going up. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that we're, uh, you know, and, and I think that will happen, you know, that you're going to see, you know, more sophisticated market fundamentals like drive the price of Bitcoin. But, you know, I think what we've what we've seen is we've seen it driven by a lot of hype. And then we've also seen it driven by kind of how people are feeling about, again, how how rich they feel or poor they feel and um and what the tech market's doing. You know, lastly, I always like kind of wrap up um my chats with like what I always am looking for good recommendations. It sounds like the Gilded Age, the Gilded Age is one, but if you have any recommendations of either a book you're reading or a show that you like really want to recommend to others um, to check out. Well, like, well, that I could talk about for another hour. <laughs> I am, you know, I did a, like a huge fan of televisions, movies and books. <laughs> um, in terms of books, I just started um, a book called The Sirens of Mars, which is written by a planetary scientist, uh, Sarah Stewart Johnson, who's actually now a professor at all, our alma mater, Georgetown. Oh, wow. uh, and- and it's about you know the the search for life on Mars. It's it's really really cool. Um, and you know, I don't I don't know if like she would listen to this podcast, but I, I really hope to meet her or you know grab a cup of coffee with her next time that um, I'm back in DC. Uh, I just finished Upgrade um, by Blake Crouch, which I read a lot of sci-fi. It's like you know definitely a fun a fun novel. Um, in terms of television right now. Um, watching uh the last of us have you have you been watching that okay it's hbo it's quite (laughs) good and then um i'm also my husband and i are watching uh all creatures great and small on pbs okay is that that? about like plant is that about animals or i don't know i'm so glad you asked (laughs) it's about three veterinarians who live in the english countryside in the 1930s and they run a veterinary like practice taking care of you know farm animals and pets Uh, it's delightful like you watch the show and basically nothing happens in an episode and you're still super happy about it um uh so those are those are the shows and then i've seen a couple of great 
just coincidentally like horror comedy movies mm-hmm. uh, uh so i watched megan uh a couple of nights ago which is very funny um and then the menu uh which was also like very a little weird but very very funny I have not seen either either of those, so I will add them. I have a running list of movies to check out, so I'll add those too. Um, my own recommendation, I binged through Bad Sisters on Apple, which um, is about like five Irish sisters, and they conspire to uh, kill one of the sisters' husbands because he's a terrible person. And it's very funny. I mean, it's kind of like dark comedy, but um, it's uh, Sharon Horgan who has done some great shows like Catastrophe and it's very fun and I enjoyed it. I don't know if you you saw that, but. You know, I started it and I think that I was watching it on a plane, which is why I didn't get like, like really into it, but I need to go back to it. Plus I have two sisters. So, I mean, like the, I mean, and the premise of it is pretty funny. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting show, but in any case, um, Thank you. And Sarah, can you let us know or let our listeners know where they can find you um, or where they can find more information about Europa Partners? Sure. Um, We have a website with a contact form. So www.europapartners.xyz. And I am also on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone. And please rate and review the pod as always, or sign up for my newsletter at walletstreetpod.com and catch you next time. Oh, stop, stop. Where's the stop button?